Welcome to the RAQA Cafe, a conversational podcast with a couple of hosts that spend each episode talking about regulatory affairs and quality assurance topics. NAMSA is happy to bring the RAQA Cafe to you, where each episode features NAMSA consultants and their experiences. Be sure to visit NAMSA at namsa.com for more information and access all podcasts and transcripts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, welcome to our first episode of the RAQA Cafe podcast. On today's topic, we'll be discussing choosing the right consultant. Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you need support? Whether it's a visit from the FDA, a bad audit, or launching a new technology, or getting into medical devices for the first time. Or you could just be having a sudden opening, bandwidth issues, or have a knowledge gap. That is usually when you find yourself needing outside support. And finding the right consultant is crucial to the success of your project. For today's episode, we have two guests with us. Our first guest is Carol Buchart, the Senior Manager of Regulatory and Quality Consultant Services with over 25 years of experience. Our second guest has over 50 years of experience and is the Associate Director of Global Medical Writing and the North America Regulatory and Quality Consulting Services, Kelly Kuharchek. Please sit back and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the RQA <laughs> Cafe podcast. We're excited to have our first listeners tuning in. This is a podcast sponsored by NAMSA. Myself, I am Linford Leach. I'm a regulatory consultant. My co-host would be Rich Granquist. He's a quality system consultant at NAMSA as well. Today, our topic would be choosing the right consultant. And I'm not too sure if you ever find yourself in a situation where you need support, um, whether you have a visit from FDA, whether you have an audit that's taking place, you're launching a new technology or you're getting into medical devices at the first time. There could be many different questions that come to mind, but one of the things we want to understand is how do we know that you have the right support that you need? In today's podcast, we're looking to explore how do you choose the right consultant. And the goal of today's podcast is to help clients identify information that they need to find and choosing the right consultant. And even better, how do you know when you want to engage with NAMSA if you're going to choose us for the right consultant? Now I hand it over to Rich, and he'll lead us into our our question and answer portion. All right. Thanks, Linford. Hey, we're doing this. This is our first podcast. I'm excited. So Kelly, Carol, thanks for being part of this first experience, the experiment, the guinea pigs. But um, I'm really excited about this. This is something Linford and I have been working on for a long time. So the the nervous energy I have right now about actually getting to do this is, uh, it actually caught me a little bit by surprise, but uh, really happy to have you guys here. First thing I want to start out with is this, you know, this is the RAQA Cafe. So we need to know what are you guys drinking while you're having this conversation? I, I myself have a nice cup of Tavana tea. I have had it for more years than I know, but um, they told me that when I bought the tin that uh, it was half price the next time I got it refilled. And that was, I still haven't gone back, <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's wonderful tea. <laughs> Must be a big tin. Yeah, it is big. <laughs> right, they, right. They, they got me on the half price. <laughs> Kelly, what are you drinking? I am drinking a coffee. So it is afternoon where I am, but uh, we've been getting quite a bit of snow here. We've got over a foot in, in Michigan. And so I have a freshly brewed pot of coffee with, I can't unfortunately do dairy, which is probably an overshare for the <laughs> <laughs> the podcast world, but uh, so I have some cashew milk with a little bit of maple in it. 
I was going to say they've gone, they've made huge strides in almond milk, oat milk, cashew milk. Alternative milks. Yeah. 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 And Carol, what are you drinking? Yeah, that ties nice into mine. So I'm with Kelly. So one, we've we've got some snow, but not quite as much as Kelly has, luckily. And then I also have a nice cup of coffee. I'm a hazelnut coffee drinker with some almond milk and uh, some, some coconut as well. So, yeah. Wow. That's a, <laughs> I came ready. I know, right? I came ready. <laughs> <Fancy>. <laughs> to add to your uh, nervous uh, feeling, Rich, I just have a glass of water. Just, you know, to, not to burn myself in, in this podcast. Um, so just some water. <laughs> that's great. Well, again, you know, we're here to talk about how to find the right consultant. And I, I feel like we've got four people in the room that have a lot of experience both sides of the fence of finding consultants, being a consultant. So Kelly and, and Carol bring a, a wide array of experience to to this conversation and, and helping us really start to scope in what are the things you need to think about when you're looking for outside help. Let's go ahead and get into our, you know, our first question. You know, Kelly, we'll start with you. You come from Stryker, a very large manufacturer, very well known in the industry. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about some of your experiences about, you know, what you need to do to prepare to find the right outside help to support your needs? Yeah, I really think that this looks different for for every company. You know, in in my time in industry, we leverage consultants in a, a wide variety of ways. I would say the primary ways that we leveraged kind of that external consulting expertise was when we needed an extra set of hands, you know, the workload was, was busy. We had someone going out on leave. We had um, a, a large project timeline get brought in or, you know, we were working on a remediation effort and we just needed some extra hands to sit down, plug in and, and continue providing support for us. On the flip side, I think the other area where we often leverage consulting expertise was when we had a really a really specific situation that we needed strategic advice. So it was an area where we had some deficiencies of our own internal knowledge. Um, Maybe we were really trying to de-risk a situation. You know, we were working through an FDA inspection and, you know, working through a 483 response and wanted to run our our uh, decision-making process uh, by an external consultant or work with someone that we knew the FDA held in high esteem, almost kind of like a rubber stamp. You know, there's this, this third party that's involved and is, is kind of de-risking the project for us a little bit. So right. it, it kind of depended on, on what the need is, but I think it's... Um, you know, it was something we, we commonly looked to and are really grateful when we find really great consultants to work for, ones that, that work well uh, with us from a, a chemistry perspective, from understanding what it is that our needs are and whatnot. So I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. with that, I mean, with a company, again, like Stryker, which, is, which has got a lot of personnel, would you typically work with your supplier quality team or would you start with your approved supplier list and look at, you know, existing consultants that you've worked at? Or do you really go out and seek, you know, who are the experts in this area that that we might need to tap into to help us with this specific need? I think it depends, again, on, on the actual need. If it's something that's really strategic and kind of like a niche that we need a very kind of nuanced background for support 
then we're probably looking to our own networks. You know, we're going to these conferences and, and meeting the the right people. But if it's more the we just need some extra hands to to sit down and, and help us do some support or help give us some support and do some work, we're probably going to our ASL and looking at who's already on our ASL. As part of our supplier control program, there would obviously be, you know, an, an evaluation of the suppliers that we're working with. And if at some point we were working with a consulting group and contracting with them and we weren't satisfied, we would be addressing that on, you know, an annual or semi-annual basis, however that that program was structured. Okay. And then Carol, like similar question to you, like what has been your experience and did you work for a large company? And if not, is it different from what Kelly just mentioned? Yeah, I, you know, it's very different than Kelly's situation in that I've worked with small startups. So from the ground up and, you know, those are a little bit larger. And so our experience and needs were very different in that, you know, although we had, you know, internal resources that had experience, you know, as a small startup, you're looking for, a lot of times you're looking for capital. You're very budget conscious, very sensitive to that. And you have board of directors, investors, people that you're trying to meet timelines and explain what the timeline looks like. How much capital do you need to invest in getting this, you know, product to market? What does that look like from a timeline cost standpoint? And, and so we needed things a little bit different, you know, where we needed some, one, some strategic guidance, especially when you're maybe a small startup with a novel technology. So there might be something maybe similar on the market, maybe not. Uh, if there's not anything similar, then you need, you know, you're looking for a consultant, uh, a CRO that has some experience, great experience with FDA, working with FDA on those types of devices and through those pathways. And so, you know, we were also looking for someone that that had not just consulting experience, but had a, had a, a bigger portfolio of services to offer. So, you know, regulatory was important, quality is important, but the clinical side was important to us, preclinical testing. And so the whole gamut was very important to, you know, our companies. And so we, we looked for, you looked at and interviewed a number of consultants and CROs and, you know, selected NAMSA because of that, that broad portfolio of services. And then they were able to work with us along the way through that whole product development process. Uh, working with FDA, having pre-submission meetings with FDA, you know, getting that buy-in with FDA on, you know, where are we going with this new technology? And um, so that was really important. Uh, you know, I think the communication is important with your consultant or CRO. It, it, finding one that you can communicate with, that they understand your needs, that you have an open, you know, conversation, but you need to feel comfortable with that consultant and, and CRO that you're working with. That's really important. If you're not getting direct answers, you know, when you're asking something and you don't get direct answers, that could be a red flag, uh, which we ran into and in just interviewing where they couldn't answer direct questions and get down to, I would say, the details of what we needed to know. And that wasn't, that didn't work for us. We really needed to have that open communication and feel that they knew the business, right? That they, they had uh, the capabilities, one, to work with FDA, communicate with FDA, but then further from that, you know, guide us in the testing that we needed, the clinicals that we needed, those types of things. So, you know, having that confidence and communication with your consultant is really important. And just to like to take a step back, as you mentioned, I will, mm-hmm. from what Kelly just mentioned, she, she had like this network, right? She could go to this approved mm-hmm. supplier list, right? Is there like a Yelp yeah. pages for like CROs or how did you guys like figure out, okay, these are the CROs <laughs> that we have identified and we want to interview them. Yeah. You talk about like interviewing them, mm-hmm. asking the right questions. Right. So, 
if you could like maybe explain to me or the audience, how did you guys go about actually finding these, these like consultants? For us on the startup side, you know, we'd all come from industry, had some background there. We actually started looking in a local network, which fortunately NAMSA was local here to our companies. So we were looking locally and, um, you know, now in the, the, the age of virtual, uh, you know, I, I think that opens our doors a lot as to, you know, who can we work with? So like I said, we started locally and NAMSA being a global company, you know, really fits nicely um, in, in the fact that they can help us with U.S. FDA, but outside of the U.S. as well. And that, that becomes important when you're launching, you're looking to launch a product, you know, where are you going to launch it? What is that client expectation of the out of U.S. Uh, expertise that they have? Okay. Just going to add on, I, I think it's really common within our fields that you know, regulatory and quality experts, they, they want to stay connected. They're going to industry events. They're a member of RAPS or other organizations. And I think there's there's just kind of a, a constant networking that's taking place. And so I'm, you know, when, exactly. when I was in industry, I was always taking names or, or business cards and putting them in my back pocket for, for future use. And I, I do remember, you know, a specific situation when I had been working with NAMSA, before joining NAMSA and being able to leverage the existing network within NAMSA was really beneficial to me. We were working through a five ten k submission. We had a particular, particularly challenging AI response from FDA, uh, and we were able to to leverage the depth of expertise within NAMSA. I think you know one thing that's important. Pulling back away from NAMSA and just looking more broadly at any uh, consultant that you're working with is most really great consultants will have that deep network of contacts that they can pull from. And that's often, you know, areas that can supplement their skill set too. So if you are working with a larger consulting company or CRO like NAMSA, that network is often built in. So it's almost kind of a, I don't know, one-stop shop kind of vibe that you can, can leverage and Use that internal network to get the set of expertise, the varied set of expertise that you really need for success within your project. That's a really, really good point that you made about the networking and that I'll never forget. I I worked with another contractor on a project once, man, every time, I mean, it was a, a big project with a lot of things going on. And every time we ran into something where we didn't have somebody internal that had an expertise, she's like, I know a guy. And she always knew a guy and, and they always, they were phenomenal. It's almost like, you know, when you buy a house, when you're working with a realtor, you're not just using them for the listing, but they have these huge networks of the people that can, you know, do the carpets and, and do the painting. And they, and they know all these people locally to help you get your house ready to sell. Well, it's the same thing. I think, like you just said, if you can find a consultant or a consultant company that has that network, man, it, it really helps you out in the long run because um, that network is, it's amazing because you can't just Google this stuff, you know, you, oh, oh, you could, but it probably won't get you what you need. So that's a really good I think good it helps point. you save time and money too in, in that aspect, mm-hmm. because if the consultant doesn't have that network, then you're trying to, you're spending time and effort, you know, trying to find the right people that do. So when you've got the network, whether it's with a CRO like NAMSA, where we've got the internal network, you know, or someone else who's really plugged in uh, with their own network, it, that's really important, helps you, helps the save some of that time and and really uh, effort there. So I I do have a question. 
you know, part of this podcast is to help our audience figure out what do they need to come to the table prepared to to find the right help. So what kind of questions should they be asking themselves? How do they scope out what their needs are? Because I think we've all seen on the NAMSA side of things that that's part of the challenge is helping our, our clients actually figure out what they need so that we can present them with an accurate you know, proposal that will help them get to where they need to be. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm going to go back to kind of the startup. Um, you know, a lot of times they, they don't know the right questions to ask. And so when there is a startup, you know, I think engaging with someone and that's where, you know, your consultant being able to communicate with them so they can recognize where you're at and what your learning curve is. So I think we do a good job, NAMS, of, you know, talking with those startup companies and helping them determine what it is they need. How deep do they need support? But, you know, I think in terms of them from a company in general, what do they need to ask? I think they need to understand internally what is their scope of need? Is it that they need hands-on, really hands-on assistance? Is it more strategic support that they need? Um, is it just regulatory? Are there things outside of regulatory that they might need help with as well? And, you know, how many people might they need? Do they need extra resources? And is it uh, potentially more than one resource that could be needed to help get them where they need to go? I think we see a lot of clients sometimes that wait, I'm going to say, wait to the last minute. You know, I'll use EU, the new EU MDR for as an example where, you know, waiting to the last minute is a, is a bad thing, you know, to engage help, right? So if you know that, that you're, maybe you're not in compliance with say new regulations and you're, you're making some headway, but it's really not there yet. You really, the sooner that you engage someone, the better because consultants are up to date on regulations. They know what the landscape looks like. They're able to jump in quickly and help guide you. So the longer that you wait, the more frantic it is, you know, to really get you in line of where you need to be or address your questions and needs. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also fair to ask them to, to demonstrate their depth of experience and their knowledge. I, I think getting real-time examples, and, and oftentimes they're not going to be able to share details, right? Like that's unethical from a consulting perspective. I can't tell you exactly who I worked with or the details of their product, but I can talk to you about my general experience with FDA or my general experience with the MDR and, and how we're navigating these things. How many projects are we working on in, you know, along these lines? How many 510Ks have we submitted? Those types of things that that can help you feel more confident that you're you're putting your I'll, I'll say baby but like you know a lot of times these projects are really important to every project's important to you know the the organization and they're, they're putting this in your hands and so you want to really be able to to know that you are handing it over to someone that has a depth of experience yeah and that's a very good point and which kind of leads us into our second like question um we were on another NAMSA podcast by Come Chattability. And one thing that we talked about was green flags, right? We talked about a lot about red flags, right? Look for the bad things. But just kind of flip that that thought a bit is like, what are some like green flags that you see working with consultants in your past experience? Like what's something that a consultant does that says, hey, I believe they have my best interests at heart and they're going to tell me the truth. They're going to help me get my project to that next level. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Carol already alluded to this, but a consultant has to meet you where you are. They, they can't be someone who's trying to upsell you or kind of just talk to hear their own voice and demonstrate, you know, how, how I, I mean, that's kind of 
directly in opposition to what I just said, that people should be able to demonstrate their depth of expertise. But you, you've probably been on calls with people who just talk to kind of hear their own voice and you're like, okay, we get it. I think they have to be there to really listen and understand what you need. And so that comes with a set of questions. I think when you're meeting with a consulting group or a consultant as an individual, they have a, a responsibility to try to understand where you are, what's your background, what are the resources you have in place, what are your timelines, and, and also to be very transparent and honest about if those all align for them. You know, are those reasonable timelines? Are those, is that a set of expertise that they can actually bring to the table? So I think all of that really comes together to help develop a baseline of trust. And then I would say critical to to kind of the continued project, if you do decide to move forward with a consultant, is communication. There just has to be really clear and effective communication. A consultant should be someone who's able to articulate both verbally and in written form exactly what's going on. If someone's really, really experienced and they have all this great knowledge, but they can't translate that to something that you understand as the person who's paying for this service, that's, that's not really helping anyone. Yeah, the communication yeah. And, yeah. and the communication goes both ways in that uh, from the consulting side too. I've been doing this now almost nine years and, and you get the occasional project where all the work goes into getting you onto the project and then you're there and they're like, oh, great, you're here, get to work. And okay, well, I need to know what to do. And so, you know, part of it is finding that consultant, but the the second part is you've got to be ready for that consultant when they're, when they hit the ground. I mean, it's an expense. And, and so the better prepared you can be for that person to come in, knowing what training they need, keep that training nice and slim to, to what they're actually doing for you, making sure that they've all got all the tools set up, make sure that your information is organized and in, in locations that can easily be found. Because you know, these are people that are hitting your company brand new. They don't know your infrastructure. They don't know they don't know the the tribal knowledge that the other people in your company does. So that communication of and, and preparation for once the consultant is there and ready to work is also a very important thing that sometimes gets forgotten because the scramble is just to get somebody there. And then, okay, now they're there. Well, do we have the bandwidth to to handle this person asking all the questions and feed, feeding them what they need? I mean, some, sometimes it's feeding the machine, right? I mean, Companies like NAMSA can really produce a lot of information quickly if the clients are are ready for for that machine to be turned on. And, and Carol, like similar yeah. to right, like same yeah. question is um, what's a green flag? You know, we mentioned like good network, yeah. expertise, communication. Is there anything else that you could think of that you worked with a consultant? You're like, you know, this is something that really puts them at the top of my mind if I need help yeah. ever again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't reemphasize the communication piece, piece enough. It's so critical. But, you know, along with that, is, is, with that communication is the honest feedback, honest communication that we're, as consultants, we may have to give you some news that you're not as happy to hear. And, and because it may not be the direction that you were hoping to go. But as consultants, that's also important because we need to be able to be honest with you. And in doing that, not only are, you know, there may be a different path, but we're also going to help you get through that path. And so having a, a consultant who's really familiar with all the different pathways, how to work through FDA, you know, how to address any of the, you know, um, questions that FDA has, the, all that is, ties into that communication. But, 
you know, really being able to be open and honest with each other. And those are the things that, you know, I think are important. You know, the passion, you know, some of the, the consultants that we've worked with early on with NAMSA, just very passionate people about your device, your company, wanting to help you see it through. And so you get that feeling, I think, when you're working with somebody that, that really clicks with you, it is that there's that passion there and they're, they're fully invested in helping you get where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, Carol, you said a couple of things that have stood out to me recently that you, early on, you, you talked about being comfortable with your consultant and then um, kind of the, the click. I think that you can't shortchange the kind of underlying chemistry element to working with a consultant, there there are some projects that are fast and in their turnaround, and you know it's it's kind of just a crank the 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 handle sort of situation. It doesn't require much interaction, but there are quite a few projects where you're really in it for the long haul. And and here at AMSA, we we actually have a program. It was was called our MRO program. Recently relaunched as our Apex program, which is assess, plan, and execute. <laughs> Recently, as in this week, so if I have to pause to think through the the words a second, it's because it's it's all new uh, new language for us as well. But this is where we partner with clients on the commercialization of their projects, and these tend to be cross functional projects with the end goal of streamlining the product development process by really integrating the services that we're offering to each client. Often with these projects, we're working with clients from early feasibility through commercialization into post-market. Uh, and these are the projects where I really think that relationship matters. You know, it's just like going to work. You want to like who you work with. And so I think that chemistry really matters for for consulting situations as well. You don't want to be, you know, rolling your eyes every time you pick up the phone to, to answer a call from your consultant. That's good. I like that. I'm going to have to remember that acronym. It's uh, it, it's uh, and that actually leads me to the next area that I wanted to talk about. Was that you know, so finding the right consultant, being prepared for that consultant when when they're onboarded. But um, sounds weird. But but paying your consultant. There's also you know different ways that you set up your contracts with them, right? So there's deliverable based. So okay. We want you to produce this deliverable. You know, it's a biocompatibility report. Those contracts are pretty straightforward. They're deliverable based. You can give a, you know, NAMPS has gotten good enough to know how these deliverables, what those cost. So we can give you a, a dollar amount for, you know, to produce these. But then there's ad hoc work where, okay, maybe the scope of the project is a lot less clear and, and nobody really knows how much work is going to be put into it. So let's say, we're going to set this amount of hours aside that you can work at this rate and 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 help you establish that. Could you guys talk a little bit more about, you know, how do we help the people we're interacting, the, the clients, potential clients that we're interacting with, figure out how they want to structure their agreements? And I'm sure this, you know, goes above and beyond. I mean, this is working with any type of consultant. Yeah, I think it a lot of it plays into what is the scope of work, right? So if it is a deliverable, you know, there's typically, you know, the standard uh, costs associated with that. Sometimes a client, you know, again, startups, you know, may have, hey, we we need to be able to ask you questions here and there. And so in those cases, we may do an ad hoc. And sometimes there's a a dollar limit, you know, a budget that, you know, only this amount, can we just do this? And so we work with those clients. So, you know, we we try to look at each client's situation as far as what's going to suit them best, as far as the type of project. and then you know, how that is, is scoped and, and the costs associated with that. Okay. So 
When we were talking to you guys before this podcast, we 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 talked wanted to talk about anecdotes and see if you had any personal experiences that you could draw upon that kind of relate to the subject. And and so to kind of ease into it, I, I like to talk. So uh, I figured, uh, you know, I, I'll never forget my first interactions working with consultants. And that was actually NAMSA. You guys were a we, you guys, depends on past <laughs> tense or current tense, um, <laughs> where we're the first consulting group that I ever worked with. And it was a great experience because when I was working with consultants I was working with at that time, they were just so interested in the in the problem and trying to f- solve it. And having those conversations with them on the phone was amazing. But the even better experience for me was that I would just parrot the information that the NAMSA person told me to my team. And they're like, Rich, you're brilliant. And I was like, thanks. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it was... It was this weird epiphany in that, wow, I am learning so much from these people. And and now it's it's making me look good. Man, I hope none of my former coworkers are listening <laughs> in on this because I'm assuming they all thought I was brilliant. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, it was such a great experience for me. And, and, and that's honestly one of the reasons why I, at that point in time, knew that I wanted to target someday I want to work at NAMSA. So I'm wondering, you know, do you have any anecdotes yourself of working with consultants that were either, you know, good or or negative? Both both are entertaining stories. I'll yeah. jump in, Rich. Sorry. Um, oh, sorry, Lanford. Go for it. I was it. gonna say, like, so for me, working <laughs> in industry for, for for a few years, we've always worked with consultants when we're trying to we had like a resource I- issue or a bandwidth issue, right? We would bring them in. They'd be very efficient. Um, they would get the job done, and it's like for them, it's always on to the next project, but. I think something that you mentioned is that the consultants that we that we worked with, they seem to be very invested in the task at hand, right? They seem to be very focused and they have a lot of knowledge and they're able to, I want to say like work super fast, but work quickly and efficiently. And you're just like, you know, one day I like to get to that level because they understand their role and they know how to find the solution for that time. Yeah, that's great, Linford. I would say my experience is, I guess... I'll, I'll say two things quickly. I don't know how quickly. I'm not very quick. <laughs> I had worked with consultants in the regulatory space who it felt like it was difficult to nail them down on an answer because they didn't want to take the risk that was associated with making a decision sometimes. Uh, I think we all know that in the the regulatory and quality space, there's a lot of gray area that we work in. I think there's a lot of big decisions that companies have to make around what is their risk tolerance. Obviously, we never take a health risk, but a compliance risk or a business risk, those are very real things when you're working in a, in a business where you're trying to make money. And we, we found that we would be working with some consultants who wouldn't, it, the answer was always, it depends. Well, you know, that, that depends. And so I remember my first experience where I was actually partnered with NAMSA. I was at an ISO 10993 training program that Don Pohl was actually a presenter at and happened to get an AI response back from FDA around biocompatibility. And I was able to, in real time, sit down with Don and say, how do we address this? Which uh, kicked into a a long-term project where we partnered with him. And I just remember he was he was committed to giving us a direct answer, helping provide that very clear, the clear direction, but also say like, you know, I'm not really sure this is a new area for the industry. We've really got to present some of these questions to FDA. It was very, a stark contrast for me from the, the previous experiences that I had had where 
you know, Don, he wanted to stay, stay late after the meeting and really dive in, understand who we, who we were, what it is that we were working on. And I don't know, it, it just felt like a, that commitment from his side was, was very, very tangible. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I'm similar, supposed to name drop. <laughs> just don't give out a street address and then we're okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Phone number. Yeah. So, you know, similar to Kelly, you know, I think for me, and I think I said this before, you know, it's that enthusiasm from the consultant, you know, their interest, their vested interest and being excited about your project. And that, that was really my experience. You know, I had a similar experience to Kelly at first where it was a negative experience with the consulting group. I, again, uh, you know, where there was not a lot of direct feedback, couldn't answer detailed questions. So, you know, when we came upon NAMSA, there was immediate, you know, a good feeling, good vibe, but, you know, also that vested interest and interest in what we were doing, our technology, a platform technology, and where do we take that? And and so there was this, just a, a lot of uh, interest in helping to get the, the device to market. And not just with that one consultant, it was everyone that we talked to, you know, within NAMSI, <laughs> you know, that they had some very distinct background that fit in with our type of technology. So it was a great fit for us. And then, you know, really taking us through the, the complete path through testing and clinicals. But everyone was very excited, you know, to work with us and to understand more about our technology and meet with FDA and, and talk about some novel ways to work on things. And, and so it was, it was really that, that whole relationship, that building of that relationship and working together, communication. So that, that's really what kind of launched me into, you know, when, it, when I had the opportunity to work with NAMSA, you know, I couldn't resist it. it. It's been a, you know, it's a great fit, you know, loving the company and the types of services that we offer is really, I, I think, phenomenal for, for clients and manufacturers out there and sponsors. Yeah, I feel like it, it feels like we're pitching NAMSA a lot here, but I think it's because from industry, we all had those experiences where we worked with NAMSA as a, as a manufacturer looking for a consultant. And when you have that, that good experience, it's, it's not a hard sell when, when the opportunity opens up to join the company. Well, I mean, we're all here. <laughs> I mean, and, and I, I feel like everyone that I work with on the NAMSA team is is excited to see a client succeed. We we love those success stories. Getting to see a new product come to market, know that there's new therapies coming available for patients. Um, I, I think we're all very blessed in that we come from backgrounds where our company's ingrained in us that the importance that the end goal is helping patients. And, and getting those new technologies out or helping fix current technologies, if that's the problem, that's where all of our passions are. I think that's universal amongst everybody I've ever worked with, both on, you know, as, as a client, with clients, and within, within NAMSA. So that, I can't believe how quickly the time went. I, I could keep talking with you guys for another hour or two, but I, I suppose we... Um, we have we also have to get back to work. <laughs> but, but Kelly and Carol, thank you so much for being part of this first experiment with us, the first ever RAQA Cafe. I almost said QARA Cafe because that's my bias, but you know. <laughs> but but uh, it was wonderful having you both here. You know, the fun part now is uh, Linford and I will go back and and listen to this and take some notes and and write out the important bits from this conversation so that anybody who wants to follow up 
can see kind of some of the key details on, you know, what it takes to find the right consultant for your needs. Thank you so much again for your time today. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for inviting us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. 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 Of course. Cheers. Yeah. And cheers. (laughs) I I look forward to some notes and, uh, and helping the next podcast go smoothly as well. All right. Thank you both. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to review today's podcast, the transcript can be found at www.namsa.com. Our next episode will have Dr. Angela Marin with us to discuss the refuse to accept policy and the implication it has for the regulatory submission. Thank you.